Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Pater Podcast. I'm Tom Hannafin. He is Matt McGloin, and we are coming off of the 2022 Penn State Blue White game, quote unquote. <laughs> I think we'll call it a glorified scrimmage and basically kind of what this broadcaster was expecting the last time we did this podcast was it was a lot of seven on seven. It was a lot of scrimmaging and it was a lot of drills and not so much of a game because of the depth issues, the injury issues that Penn State has had at this point in the season. So luckily, uh, Matt McGloin was part of the Big Ten Network broadcast crew that covered the game. We are obviously going to dive into the quarterbacks. We are talking plenty about the offense, the running backs, I think, especially look good what the offensive line showed us. If anything, as we talked about, very limited numbers there, uh, what the pass catchers were doing. Uh, definitely going to touch on special teams because I think from the kicking and punting standpoint and kick return, punt return, there's plenty to mm-hmm. talk about. Defense looked pretty good, and there's some guys in terms of depth that I think are going to jump out for Penn State fans. And then we are going to touch on the news that came out this week about the potential new Penn State athletic director uh, being targeted is Pat Kraft from Boston College. So we're going to delve into that a little bit. Uh, Before we go any further, I want to thank you all for liking, commenting, subscribing, and turning on notifications. And thank you for making episode 43 one of our most downloaded episodes ever in the history of this podcast over the last eight months. You guys have been fantastic. So thank you. And a big thank you to our partners at Bet Online, who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget, Major League Baseball is back as well. Who are you picking to win this year's World Series? Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite <laughs> Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code believe that's B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. The Pater podcast is presented by bet online where the game starts. And of course, funk brewing is the official craft beer partner of the Pater podcast. Of course, we're big fans of the citrus IPA and the silent disco IPA. However, we want to let you know about the pipe dream hazy imperial ipa it's available right now it's got hints of lemon rind strawberries lemongrass and finishes like a fruity new zealand sauvignon blanc you can get pipe dream at funk's tap rooms now in emmaus elizabethtown in york of course you can find funk brewing products at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store uh speaking of funk's tap rooms we want to let you know about the tap room in Emmaus. It has moved locations. Now there's even more seating available in a very comfortable environment, plus a big screen and several more TVs, plus a permanent Flavor Nation food truck on site. For more information on the new Emmaus location and more, visit funkbrewing.com, especially to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. So, Matt, uh, for those of us watching the podcast here on YouTube, you've got a nice sunburn slash tan oh, yeah. from being on the sideline <laughs> at Beaver Stadium. And God, I remember that feeling of like, you're so excited that there's football, whether it be the the spring game in April or even 
when the season starts in September, Penn State fans and State College residents come out of the woodwork and they're like, oh my gosh, the sun, it's a beautiful day and no one puts on sunscreen and mm -hmm. you get that burn, but everybody's like, you know what, football's back. So how was it being in Beaver Stadium and being there for the blue-white game? Yeah, usually it takes me one or two sunburns to smarten up, you know, and then I have to start putting the sunscreen. <laughs> yeah. I, didn't I didn't realize it was going to be that warm. Yeah, you know, you, it looked you're great. Che you're checking the weather all week. All right, you're going to have rain. It might rain a little bit, you know, early on in the game. And then I saw the rain's going to stop, you know, before uh, before the game starts. You know, I expected it to be cloudy, you know, a nice little breeze, something like that. I didn't expect it for it to get as hot as it did. I certainly didn't expect to get the sunburn uh, that I that I have. You know, my mom yelled at me. You know, as she always does, because I don't, I don't, again, I don't put the sunscreen on. Like I said, it usually takes a couple sunburns for me to, you know, before I start to apply the sunscreen. But again, other than that, it was an awesome day. Fantastic being, being back inside Beaver Stadium, being on that sideline. Great being a part of that crew with Matt Millen and Rick Pizzo. Fantastic guys who, who, who do a heck of a job. Um, but you're right. Just so excited for football to be back. And again, you know, it was a glorified practice, but I, I really did enjoy it. I, I enjoyed the layout and like, it's hard. And we've talked about this. It's hard to try to judge players based off of that day. Um, I, I just, I tried to do my best to watch guys individually, right? See, you know, this guy has some burst. Uh, this guy needs to work some 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 technique things. His mechanics need to get better. Um, this guy's got great hands. You know, this guy's flying around the field. This is a smart player. He understands where to go. So that's what I was really looking at. And I actually came away with, with some pretty good things that, uh, you know, we'll get into here in uh, a few minutes. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about uh, quarterbacks off the bat. I, I think it's just great to see over 60,000 Penn State fans mm -hmm. come out for, as you said, a glorified practice and yep. there was speculation you know you and i had spoken to uh you know the voice of penn state football steve jones last week on espn state college and uh he was hoping to see a game obviously because um not the day before but the friday prior to the game actually taking place apparently there had been a scrimmage where he, according to steve they got after it i was like great that's fantastic and he probably needed to do that in a closed setting and then for the sake of the injuries, the depth issues we talked about, specifically the offensive line, uh, I think Penn State, James Franklin and company made the right decision in terms of like, hey, let's keep everybody healthy and let's just show the fans something fun and, uh, you know, get the guys out there in front of Beaver Stadium for the first time. So I thought that was really positive and ultimately the right decision. Uh, so let's start with the quarterbacks. Um, I, I would like to say that all four of them really got pretty good looks. Uh, let's start with the incumbent starter, uh, Sean Clifford, entering yet another spring game. Uh, how did you feel about what he put on tape? They're very lucky to have him back for for his sixth year. I I, I I really feel that way now. And I know for the past few weeks and throughout spring practice, we talked a lot about will there be competition? Could somebody surpass Sean Clifford? So could somebody get to that point? It's not going to happen. Right, 2022 is Sean Clifford's year. I mean, if it does happen at all, it'll be Veyu. Um, You know, when we had the chance to talk to James Franklin, Mike Yurcich, Manny Diaz a few days before the spring game, Franklin said, listen, this is the best spring Sean Clifford has had. He's confident. He's comfortable. And he should be in year two of Mike Yurcich's system. Um, let, let me say this, Tom. The gap between Clifford and Veyu and Alarm Prabula is massive. And unless something 
incredible happens develop like if Prabul and Allo are able to to develop in a hurry over the next few months, right? Right. That's the only way I can see them surpassing Veyu. You're looking at even. maybe a major injury to Clifford and Veyu potentially happening. You know, and and I, that, I don't want to see that at all for the health of those kids. Look, again, you know, expectations are certainly high for both those guys. I'll tell you what Mike Yershit said. He said, it takes time to develop. There are signs that they will be good quarterbacks. It's not where it needs to be right now from a consistency standpoint. And we got to see that on Saturday. Some good throws here or there, some good plays here or there. But turnovers, mistakes, right? It's just, it's the consistency that you look for in an everyday quarterback, in a starting quarterback, Tom. And if uh, I talked a lot about, you know, how were you going to react? Were you able to bounce back? Can you continue to march forward, play well in that environment? If you can't play well and you can't do it in front of 62,000 people on a Saturday afternoon, I can't expect you to do it in front of 110,000 people at 8 p.m. on ABC versus Michigan or Ohio State, right? Mm -hmm. So listen, and it's okay, right? Continue to learn from guys like Veyu, guys like Sean Clifford. Continue to grow and develop. Take a breath, relax, right? Um, I was I was really impressed with Veyu, though. Thought his footwork looked a lot better. Thought he made some really good throws. You can just tell he was more calm, more confident. Um, it didn't look like you know he was chasing reads. It didn't look like his eyes were all over the place. It looked like he knew what he saw defensively, knew where he had to go. You can tell the progress he's made throughout the end of last season after the Rutgers game, right? Heading into December, winter workouts and spring practice. So with one, two, where they're at quarterback wise, uh, I'd feel pretty good. Uh, you talk about progress from what Sean Clifford was doing in 2021, obviously marred by injuries um, to this past blue white game. Were there any little things that you're like, that looks like that's progressed. That looks like that's changed. That looks like that's yeah. improved for Sean. What did you see? few of times, like I love passing concepts, Tom, where you're working one side of the field. Let's say I'm working left side of the field. I'm working here, here. And then I have like a crossing route or a deep crossing route coming into my vision. That way I'm not looking left and right and right and left. He did that a few times on Saturday. He's working a side of the field. Here comes an underneath route. Here comes another throw. And he's just going through his progressions and taking what they're giving him defensively. Talked a lot about presence and how you act on that field. The dude's a leader. Right. He just he, it seems like the guys rally around him. It seems like the team rallies around him. It seems like the coaches, you know, rally around him. He just has that presence of a guy that's played a lot of football, knows what he wants to do, communicates well. Um, so I think if he can continue to grow, obviously continue to get better, take that next step, you know, there stay healthy, right? Most important thing. I think they're in a good place with him. And I think why he could be a big difference maker for the way this offense looks this year is because there are questions behind Parker Washington at the wide receiver spot, right? Is Mitchell Tinsley going to be what everybody thinks he's going to be? Is it Keandre Lambert Smith? Um, and who else right behind those guys? And, you know, I think when you have an experienced six year guy like Clifford, he can bring those guys along in a hurry um, and help them, you know, with the mental aspect of the game of football. Yeah, I want to get to wide receivers in a minute. We'll, we'll continue to talk about quarterbacks here. Um, Christian Veyu, you talked about, you know, he he looked like he was a little bit calmer. He definitely looked sharper. I think all the quarterbacks were still struggling with timing. And part of that, you know, Matt Millen talked about it on the broadcast, as did yourself, that it's just 
it's spring. This is the time of year where you're actually working on that stuff. So it's not going to be perfect. And a lot of that gets ironed out over the summer as, you know, these guys continue to work, uh, you know, more seven on seven and drills, more drills on air. And you just get a little bit more acclimated to timing. Do you think, uh, you know, based on what you saw from Christian Veyu, that the coaching staff might feel more comfortable in terms of inserting value into a game in the event that Sean Clifford gets hurt because he was hurt so much in 2021 and Clifford, they hesitated to even take him out. You and I talked about plenty of games where it was like, Hey, he's banged up. He needs a week. He needs two weeks to heal up or something like that. And the gap was too big. Do you mm-hmm. think that gap has shrunk? Not to the point that value is going to jump Sean. You know what right, I mean? Right, do, they, yes. do you think they seem more comfortable with value? I mean, I would. Based off what I saw on Saturday, um, you know, Mike Yurchitz has said that Veyu has done a lot of good things this spring. Um, and I think we saw that on Saturday. Um, if I was a coach, if I was an offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, head coach, I'd feel pretty good with, you know, thinking that, God forbid, something happens to Sean Clifford throughout the course of the game. I got Veyu behind him, a guy that's already played Tom, remember. So now he's got a little confidence. He knows he can do it, right? There's no more surprises for a guy like Vegu. There isn't, I don't know what's going to happen when I go in this game. I don't know what to expect. My, my eye's going to be all over the place. I know there's 11 defenders over there, but it's going to look like there's 40, you know, right. Right. over there. Is my head going to be spinning? That That isn't, he, he knows what to expect now. So now for him, it's continuing to master his craft, to continue to become a great communicator. Um, and he's still learning. So he's got to trust the process amongst the world that doesn't trust, right? That's that's one of the more difficult parts about playing quarterback is ignoring the outside noise. But I think if he can do that, he can continue to stay on this path that he, you know, he's going to turn himself into a pretty good, pretty good backup quarterback here in 2022. And what's so impressive about him? We talked about it during the season on the podcast, and especially after that Rutgers game. It's a kid who's transitioning from the Canadian football game to the American football game. So I continue to be so impressed. Uh, by his maturation where's so the extra about- guy he's probably like where's the extra guy <laughs> right yeah the field's so much shorter i don't understand this you know <laughs> go figure um so let's talk about the two freshmen at quarterback that no doubt everybody was trying to pay attention to let's start with drew aller and frankly how can you not pay attention to him he's one of the biggest guys on the field at any given time um what did you see from him in terms of reading the defense and you know going through his progressions you know, look, uh, again, you know, uh, it, it's hard. Like, I don't want to sit here, you know, and criticize the kid. I understand he's in a tough position, right? I mean, both of these guys should still be in high school. <laughs> True. You know, but look, again, <laughs> yes. again, expectations are high for both of these guys because we all know what they could possibly become, what they have the talent to do, and the players we we hope they can become one day. It's just, I think it's just, for him mentally, it's, it looked like it was just really slow for him right now. And by meant, I meant he's processing it very slow, right? I don't think he has the ability to play fast yet. Um, I think he's just doing a lot of thinking, um, you know, almost robotic in a way. Like he's still learning how to do it, right? Which his is to feet, be expected. Exactly. Be expected. Exactly. The, his, his, his feet were a little slow. Um, you know, he's, but as he improves, Tom, as he gets better, it'll become easier for him as he gets more and more reps. Um, you know, he'll start to learn how fast the play is, how fast the play becomes, how my feet need to be the right direction every single time I'm throwing the football to where I'm going. I don't need to run out of the pocket. I don't need to try to force throws downfield or force throws late in the down. 
Um, he, he just like he'll learn how to practice too, right? And that's going to help him tremendously. I just think he was doing a lot of thinking, um, you know, on Saturday afternoon. And again, listen, it's 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 I've been in that spot before. Um, it's definitely a tough place to, because all you place to be in because all you want to do is play well, right? You want to leave the spring feeling good and showing everyone that listen, you know, I could get the job done for you guys. I made some good throws. Um, you know, we got, we got a chance to see his, his arm strength a few times, you know, which was very encouraging. Um, but certainly a lot of work to do. Definitely is the arm strength. Uh, what I saw in seven on seven drills is that he seemed to be mentally doing all right with his progressions. However, uh, to your point, it was just slow in that by the time he realized that what he wanted wasn't there. And I'm not saying he was locked into one. I actually really like that he would move from one to two to three. And that's not something you see too often out of a freshman. But he was late to the point where it's like by the time he decided, oh, I can't throw it there, he would have been sacked or yeah. something worse. Who knows? So. Well, we saw a couple throws behind guys, right? Back hip throws. Like yeah. Throws. It should have been completions. I didn't miss. And here's the thing, too. Like with that, with him getting better and understanding that, Tom, like I'll see a coverage and I'm like, all right, well, this I'm not going there. Mm -hmm. I got cover two. I'm going here to here. That's it. Right. That's my cover two beater. Now, for timing purposes, my drop, everything like that, I'm still going to take a look at to where the first is in the progression, second in the progression, whoever it may be, because who knows? You never know what can happen on a football field, a cornerback, a safety. Somebody can blow coverage and then somebody's running down the side. So I always give one and two a chance. Right. But if I'm getting backside, I'm peeking and I'll boom, I can get back there in a hurry. So I'm not late. So I'm not trying to make up for the throw with arm strength and I'm not missing back hip. I'm not missing throws, tips, picks, things like that. But again, as he learns to practice, as he understands coverage more, as he begins to learn Mike Yersich's offense, those are the things that, you know, he should be able to do um, to, again, to become the player that, uh, you know, everybody certainly thinks he could become. Yeah. Cause I think when you see a young quarterback, if they get locked into number one, and then they force it or mm -hmm. they take off running. You see that at a lot of SEC quarterbacks because that's kind of the style of offense. Like, hey, if that slant route isn't there, just take off and run. You didn't see that from Aller. You didn't see him look at one and be like, you know what? I'm just going to gun it and see if I can get it in there. You didn't see that with option two. Sometimes he'd go to option three. And as you said, it was a little off target. So I'd rather see that sure. than forced passes. Uh, there was an interception, but again, that was off a deflection. So I, I, you're not even going to get hung up on statistics from this game. Seriously, mm -hmm. it's not it's not worth it. Um, and, and lastly, let's talk about Bo Prabula. Um, it may have been confusing for the viewer because both Vayu and Prabula were both wearing <laughs> number nine. So unless you saw that one had a visor on and one didn't, and one had you know eye black and one didn't, and one had a Canadian flag in the back of his helmet or and didn't, it, it was kind of difficult to tell the difference. Obviously, you were on field level. Um, do you buy the comparison of Prabula to the athletic ability of Trace McSorley? You know, it's funny because before the game, um, we're like, all right, well, Veyu has a left knee brace on. I'm like, wait, no, Prabula has a left knee brace on do. too. <laughs> yeah, so. All four of them do. Because <laughs> that's what you look for. You look for like wristbands or arm sleeves or knee braces or stuff like that. To so can, can I ask you something? Between the quarterbacks. Yeah. I, I don't believe all four have the exact same knee injury. Maybe they do, and I just don't know. But like, is that a precaution thing for quarterbacks because it's a plant leg? They're all right. Yeah, it's a plant leg. Yeah, it's a plant leg Got you it. don't want to get rolled up on. I wore one. Uh, my senior year, you know, because you're so in that pocket, right? I just you know, saw your big Stone Cold Steve Austin fan. <laughs> I would have worked two then, you know, as <laughs> as the as the season went on. Uh, 
but uh, but no, like that plant leg becomes when you're throwing the football it becomes so so tight and so stiff, right? And that back leg becomes almost like a kickstand in a way. You put so much pressure, you know, on that front leg that the last thing you want to do is get rolled up on by a lineman, you know, somebody falling to your knee, and then you know just like that, it, it, you know, it could be over for you. So the knee brace definitely adds stability and helps, you know, um, you know, in that sense. So um, but as long Perbula, as you're comfortable wearing one, what, yeah, back but, to but Perbula, Perbula, what you saw out of him athlete you know saw a couple runs um you know from him um you know it seems like he's a guy that can create a little bit um you know throws well on the run but still needs needs a lot of work you know he went in fourth um or got the fourth reps on anyway you want to take a look at it so you know he still still needs a ton of work um but uh, you know one of the things i thought was interesting about him is that um because <clears throat> you do all this research for these spring games um his brother plays quarterback at Delaware. His grandfather was an All-American at Westchester. His uncle is a quarterback at USC. Uh, and his aunt played field hockey at Penn State. Not bad. Like, this guy comes from an athletic family. Um, you know, I think I think you could just, you get the sense that he's going to be a guy that it's going, over the years, it's going to be hard to keep him off the field. Do you, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and compare him to Trace McSorley or like a Michael Robinson or anything like that. But I think let's say Alar develops into a quarterback, I think we could see Perbula become like a wildcat type quarterback or you know, somebody who has a few catches, a few carries, you know, Kinda some a something la like the that. Tommy Stevens package. Maybe definitely yeah, different yeah. athlete, but the yeah. Tommy Stevens package. Yeah. And it's look again, obviously this is all speculation. We're all just, you know, thinking out loud here. Um because you never know what's going to happen. Who knows? He can be he can turn into a tremendous passing quarterback um, as well. Um, but you can just you get the sense he's a really good athlete. He moves really well, um, and that run game is going to make up for whatever he lacks in the pass game. Let's talk about the guys catching passes, and then I definitely want to get to the offensive line and the running backs because there is a lot of excitement there. Um, Mitchell Tinsley for me mm-hmm. was the story of wide receiver and. Um, I don't think that was a surprise, but it was interesting to see the way he was utilized. Um, you know, he he caught a quote unquote touchdown pass. So, like, you know, again, this was a goal line drill and a seven on seven. So you're not losing your mind over it. Um, he was lined up to return punts. To me, and this is just as a viewer, it seemed like Tinsley, you know, he's wearing his number, got slid into the Jahan Dotson, you know, Mr. Everything kind of mm-hmm. role. What did you see? Yeah, so I asked I asked uh, Mike Yurch about you know Mitchell Tinsley says he brings good energy and then he fits into the into the wide receiver room. Franklin thinks it's the best two deep that they have. He doesn't know on starters yet, but he doesn't think there's much of a drop off, right? So it seems like even you know aside from Tinsley, they have a collection of guys who they think they can play and they think they can contribute. And I talked a little bit about this on Saturday after Tinsley had that you know, that touchdown catch. It's like, I don't expect him to walk in and have 87 catches for four, 1,402 yards and 14 touchdowns like he did at Western Kentucky. But if Parker Washington can take that next step to Jahan Dotson level over 1,000 yards, 90 catches, really become that number one guy you look for, and you can have Parker, or you can have Mitchell Tinsley 60, 65 catches, somewhere between six to 800 yards, the rest of those guys... Tom, Keandre Lambert-Smith, you know, Trey Wallace, right? Uh, Omari Evans, a lot of that, that that younger crew, if you can get consistent play from them week in and week out, 
you got a chance to have a really electric wide receiver room. You, you, mm-hmm. you really do. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how this thing plays out for them. Um, but from little we saw from Tinsley, you know, I was impressed from the way his coaches talk about him. You know, it seems like, you know, he's really stepped up um, and, and has made an impact pretty early. The uh, performance of Malik Mega during the blue-white game, uh, it kind of reinforced to me, you know, we, we talked about the quotation from him earlier, uh, you know, in this offseason where he said, you know, the coaches want me to be a deep threat. And he can do that. I believe he can be that. However, in this blue-white game, you saw them kind of open things up a little bit with him and say, hey, let's try this. Let's try this type of route. Let's see if you can work against this type of coverage. It, it didn't necessarily connect. Do you expect Mega to make that leap that we've been kind of hearing rumblings about? Yeah, I think I think you said it perfectly. Um, you know, I just think he needs more time. I think he needs more reps. I think he needs to be out there more. Um you know, with a guy like Mega and look and really any young player, like you don't want to force them into a big role too early because it can destroy guys mentally. And that's hard to recover from. Um, so I think if they continue to slowly bring Mega along, then he can definitely be a contributor as the season goes on. I, I just think he needs more time. Again, he's still young. What's he? What's he? Um, a sophomore now? Um, I believe so. Yeah. So, I mean. He just he needs more time. And again, if you've got Washington, Tinsley, Lambert Smith, if you got three guys that are rolling for you, four and five guys, you know, you could have a collection of guys be able to do that for you and you can kind of move them along very slowly. Yeah. Dotton uh was there yeah. as well, Jaden Dotton. Yep. Um Omari Evans looked like a favorite target of Aller, but that you kind of expect that with freshmen coming in at the same time. So uh well, I'm curious to see how he progresses. Um speaking of you know, pass catchers, tight ends. Hmm. Nothing really jumped out, nothing really negative, nothing really overly positive. What do you think? Yeah, look, I think it could be one of the arguably the best tight end room in the Big Ten. Um, you know, Theo Johnson, Britton Strange, Tyler Warren have to involve him in the offense somehow moving forward more than what we saw last year from, from, you know, from a patch pass catching standpoint, they should be doing more. Let's just say. Um, So we'll see again. We didn't get to see much out of them on Saturday, but the makings are there for, for an explosive tight end room, you know, and and, and a room that can complement your wide receivers really well. So let's talk about the offensive line next to quarterback. Uh, definitely the most polarizing topic. Uh, as we mentioned and we open up this show, the entire structure of this Penn State blue-white quote-unquote game was largely because of, A, the lack of scholarship players along the offensive line that are available to Penn State currently. I believe they're at nine. They jumped to 11 uh, in the month of May because of uh, Norzad coming in and some freshmen. So I'm excited about that. However, there also been some injuries. So it was like, okay, you can't reasonably field the same, you know, seven or eight guys for four quarters of a scrimmage game or whatever, and hope that you come out unscathed and hope that there's no injuries. So this was the right decision. Uh, however, what we saw was limited again, you know, the D line, and the O line in those segments where it was offense versus defense. Um, looked like they were getting after it. The offensive line was creating some holes uh, in the running game. So mm-hmm. uh, it felt positive. Uh, what did you see? So, again, going back to talking to the coaches, 
you know, because I feel like, that, look, I think this is important. This is stuff you didn't get to talk about on Saturday. So, you know, having that opportunity to to talk to James, you know, and 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 Manny and uh, and Mike Yersich, you know, I think it really, you know, adds to what we're trying to talk about. Yeah, no doubt. So, I mean, look, he's you know, James went, went as far as to say Caden, Juice, and Olu. He thinks those three spots has a chance to be an improvement from what they've had. Right, which I think, Tom, if you can leave spring knowing we've got a center and two tackles and we're solid there, mm-hmm. you have to feel good knowing that. Obviously, because of what we saw last year, can't get much worse, right? Mm-hmm. There's going to be competition at guard, um, which is okay, which is okay, right? You probably have four or five guys battling for for that guard spot. Um, I think they'll be okay. You know, I, I, I really do. Um, you know, uh, Scruggs is athletic, right? Olu, Caden Wallace, big, big tackle. 6'6", 310 is Olu. 6'5", 319 is Caden Wallace. Um, you know, and you add speed now with that running back group, right? A lot has been talked about, well, you got to make a guy miss. You have to you have to make guys miss tackles. Well, you have two young guys now at that running back spot, Katron Allen, Nick Singleton, who... You know who I think can do that. Left guard, you saw a lot of Landon Tingwall, who's right. somebody who uh, you know it's been talked about. He can play tackle as well if you need to, but he had a really strong end to twenty twenty one. So I, I personally feel pretty good about him. I know our our good buddy Thomas Frank Carr from Blue White Illustrated thinks the world of him. So uh, that felt great. Uh, you saw a lot of Nick Dawkins. Uh, right guard uh, with the first team, and then he would switch to center with the second, third, fourth team, whatever you want to call it. Um, how do you feel about Dawkins' performance? Yeah, I mean, look, obviously he's been a special teams guy, you know, a year ago. But again, just getting on the field, being in that environment, it, it adds depth, right? The more and more reps you can get these guys, the more they become comfortable, the more they understand what it takes to play. You're right. The more confident you become in knowing that, all right, I'm continuing to build depth here just in case something happens. I got a guy that I know can step in and get the job done and replace somebody else. So, you know, uh, look, I think from where they started to where they are now is definitely an improvement, but still a lot of work left to be done. But I think I would feel good. I would feel good right now with that offensive with that offensive line position. And talking about interior offensive line, I mentioned you know Norzad's coming from Cornell uh, the next, next month, mm-hmm. so that's going to bolster that portion of the offensive line. Uh, Bryce Effner has been injured a lot. Uh, Sal Wormley is a guy that you were hoping was going to be a starter going into 2021. He was injured, so uh, he's somebody who could definitely be in the mix heading into the 2022 season. So it's nice to see options, but it was also good to see a guy who is uh, you know lower on the depth chart step mm-hmm. up uh, and step in in a good way. Um, let's talk about the running backs because this felt awesome. Yeah. Um, Kevon Lee came out and he looked like the competition that had been introduced to him in the form of Nick Singleton and Katron Allen had lit a fire under his butt. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> I no mean, Kevon looked sharp. What do you believe? Yeah. No, that's exactly. He was, there was no, you know what I loved? There was no dancing. Guys were just yes. going. Guys were just if, going. If he was dancing, he was actually making the guy miss and moving forward. Guys were just going, man. They were getting positive yards, um, running hard. Um, you're right. It's like he was like, all right, I have some competition here now. So I really needed to. That was absolutely the message, out. though. And, and it's uh, great that it landed. 
And I don't even like to be honest with you, I don't even care who the one is, who the two is, who the three is, whatever it is. You need to find some type of system. You need to find some type of rotation that fits what you have in that running back. Keevon Lee, strong downhill runner who now is going to hit the hole hard, get positive yards for you. He can't be a one person tackle guy. Right. It's got to be two or three bringing him down. He has to break that first tackle or he's got to drag the guy a couple yards. I think who that that's who he could become. Katron Allen's got a little bit of both. Yeah. Right? He's got some speed. He has some power as well at 5'11, you know, 215, 220. Um, and then is Nick Singleton the difference maker you're looking for where he gets the edge and there's nobody in the stadium that's going to be able to catch him? Um, you know, I We'll see. You know, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how this thing plays out with the with the running backs. But you're gonna see. It looks like all three of those guys getting carries as soon as you head to West Lafayette Week One and play Purdue. Um, but again, it's about how you're using them, mm-hmm. right? What's the rotation? What's the system you have for them? Even like James Franklin said, Devin Ford has had the best spring that he's had. Late in the blue-white game, Devin Ford, you know, I just talked about the uh, uh, fire being lit under Kevon Lee. Devin Ford's a guy that because of the incoming Singleton and Allen, easily could have transferred. Easily could have transferred. But he stayed, and there's something that you have to respect about that. And he's competing. So uh, I thought that was great to see what he did late in the game. Yeah, I mean, it's what what competition is, man. You know, I think it certainly brings up the best best in you. Um, Forces guys to not get complacent and not, you know, get lazy, mm-hmm. right? You want to play or don't you want to play? Because we've got a collection of guys that are hungry. Only one guy gets to carry the football. Who's it going to be, right? So running back room is very, you know, it was encouraging to see those guys working hard, running hard, practicing hard, so, um, you know, out there Saturday afternoon. So, you know, there's no shortage of talent. It's just about, it's just about how are you planning on using them come September. Nick Singleton, I'm not comparing him to the athlete John Lovett is, but what Nick Singleton was doing from a role standpoint in the blue-white game was very similar to what Penn State looked like they were trying to do with John Lovett. Mm. You know, run the ball effectively, but also be a threat in the passing yeah. game, work the boundaries as well. Singleton looks like he's capable of that and more, which is great. And then uh, I'll say this, Katron Allen needs to get a different number so there's no issue of having two 13s on the field at the same time on offense right. because Keandre Lambert-Smith and Allen, I would love to see both those guys on the field at the same time. There's just threats. It's good you know, to have uh, multiple threats. And before before we move on, Tom, everybody's talking about, well, you know, James Franklin has always had a number one running back wherever he's been. It seems like everybody thinks that Nick Singleton could be the number one number one running back, be that guy, you know, that three down back guy for you. Let's not rush it. You've got a collection of running backs that are very good. So as long as they're all consistent, as long as they're all producing, don't force anybody into any position. Yeah, it's it's exciting. Uh, I'm very happy about what I saw from the running backs. Um, so we're going to dive into the special teams uh, very briefly. We're going to talk about the defensive effort as well. And then we do want to touch on uh, some of the news this week in regarding the potentially new 
Penn State Athletic Director. But before we go any further, we want to let you know that all of us involved in the Pater Podcast are proud supporters of THON, also known as the Penn State Dance Marathon. THON is a year-long effort dedicated to raising funds and awareness for its sole beneficiary, Four Diamonds at Penn State Health Children's Hospital. THON is the largest student-run philanthropy in the world committed to enhancing the lives of children and families impacted by childhood cancer. Four Diamonds picks up where insurance leaves off to relieve financial stress and provide emotional support so that no family ever has to see a medical bill. Since 1973, THON has raised over $203 million in the fight against childhood cancer and counting. To learn more about THON's year-long efforts or to donate, visit THON.org. That's T-H-O-N dot O-R-G. It's all for the kids. Make a difference in the life of a child today. And on another personal note, we want to take this opportunity to put a spotlight on mental health with an initiative called Tag Me In. Tag Me In is simply asking for people to tag in on the conversation and help strip away the stigma around mental health. Whether you're looking to lend support, you want to talk, you want to share, maybe you need some help. We invite you to join in on the conversation. We encourage you to make a video if you'd like, post it on your social media channels, and use hashtag tag me in and hashtag tag me in United. At the very least, we want to hear from you. You are not alone. Tag me in. Visit tagmeinunited.com to learn more. All right, briefly hitting on special teams. Uh, Jake Pinniger finally uh, seems to be the guy again uh, for Penn State when it comes to. Uh, field goal kicking and is apparently going to be, you know, probably the guy in terms of punting, uh, you know, who knows what they decide mm-hmm. to do. Barney Amor uh, certainly impressed a lot of people. He's a super duper senior transfer from Colgate. Uh, meanwhile, Gabriel Nwosu, <laughs> I love this guy already. Redshirt freshman, 6'6", 280 pounds. Um, it, yes, I am a big fan. So uh, what did you think from uh, the limited stuff that we saw from special teams? You know what, man? Look, to be honest with you. I, I just I, I I need somebody that can kick field goals. That's what I need. Novel idea, a, right? No, but like <laughs> it, I, I said, this all freaking season in 2021. Uh, Stout, great punter, not a great kicker. And then yeah. in the freaking Outback Bowl, it's like, oh yeah, Jake Pinniger is our what was it? He he was the long distance kicker or the short distance guy i can't remember the crazy it was ridiculous and i was like where has this narrative been all season long like give me a break i I just it i cannot tell you how much it affects an offense when you don't once you cross into plus territory you don't and you don't have three points in the bank right that completely changes how you call plays that it completely changes your mentality as a quarterback, knowing that I got to make a play, I got to get a first down because I don't know if we're going to we're, we're, we're at the plus thirty here. I don't know if our guy can can hit a forty or a forty five yard field goal or or a thirty eight yard field goal, whatever it may be. Right, got to force this throw here on third and six. Um, you know, which is the last thing you want to be thinking, Tom. Right, because the closer you get, obviously you're always thinking touchdown down there. I want six points. I want a touchdown. I need a touchdown. But in the back of your mind, it's like I don't need to force anything though. Because I don't want to turn the football over. I don't want to take a sack. I don't want to create any problems for this offense or this drive because I know that our kicker is going to come in. We're going to get three points on the board and it's going to be a successful drive for us, right? Sometimes over the years, you haven't been, you haven't been able to do that. So I just need somebody that is solid and consistent and can kick mm-hmm. field goals. That's it. Sanders, a Haydack, uh, redshirt freshman, he also got in there and it's like you're kicking on no pressure. 
the fans aren't up like yeah. you know what it is to be in Beaver Stadium when there's a huge kick about to happen to hopefully take the lead or something like that. There's not even close to the pressure that you will feel in that situation. However, Sahadak, I think, hit something that was from 47 yards, which I was like, okay, cool. Uh, as I mentioned, Nwosu, outside of his size, power. Like, you expect yep. power from that sort of frame, but power as a punter. So if you need a dude to kick the ball into the next county, Nwosu might be the guy no for you. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm just, I want to see Jake Pinnegar you know, finally get the chance to be the guy because right. it looked like in 2020, yeah, he he certainly could have been and definitely had some maturation um, that, that that needed to unfold. But I don't know. I'm not saying it's like competition here, but it's like, okay, this was nice to see the full complement of uh, of talent here. And then Amore, I believe, is one who walked away with uh, an award uh, after the show. I missed what the uh, after the game. Um, I missed exactly what it was, but something to the ilk of special teams player, uh, you know, best special teams player that day. So, I mean, there's just positivity here. And, uh, and we, we talked about it very briefly in terms of Mitchell Tinsley uh, lined up to return punts. Um, I also saw lined up to turn kicks was Nick Singleton. So, yeah, I mean, I feel real yeah. good about the, those guys potentially filling those roles. It's just a question of, is this a special teams unit actually going to be a departure from what we've seen the last couple of years where nothing really happens on kick returns, nothing really happens on punt returns? You know, where they're at um, as an offense right now, um, they, they need help certainly in the return game, punt return, kick return, things like that. Field position is going to be massive for this football team here in the fall. So, But again, you know, I think the guys that they had back there um, are guys, Devin Ford, Right, who um, you know? Correct me if I'm wrong. Was a All Big Ten uh, returner, or at least honorable mention All Big Ten as a returner. Um, but as long as you have guys that can get you positive yards, right? Don't try to do anything crazy back there um, and get you decent field position. I think where this offense is at, you know that, that that'll be a good fit for them. So, uh, but we'll see. Again, yeah, I think it. I, I think even special teams was was uh, was pretty encouraging on, on Saturday. Let's chat defense. Uh, you were on the sideline. You talked to uh, PJ Mustafer. He seems mm-hmm. to be in good spirits. Uh, his rehab continues to go well. We look forward to seeing him uh, hopefully in September. Uh, you spoke to LeVar Arrington, who was all sorts of jacked up to be down there <laughs> with the Nittany Lion. Uh, LeVar was saying he was excited about uh, Curtis Jacobs and Jair Brown. So those guys are obvious, and those guys look sharp as, as we expected. Uh, for my money, uh, Matt, watching the game, the names that jumped out, Zane Durant, mm-hmm. Kalen King, Nick Tarburton, Zaki Wheatley. What do you yeah. think? So Manny Diaz said Zane Durant will be a problem for Big Ten teams throughout his entire career. And I think we got a glimpse of that. Um, you know, for me, it was all about, like, for me, what it's going to be about that defense and that defensive line. We'll start there. What is the rotation going to be and, and how are you going to do it? Right. Manny Diaz talked a lot about emptying the tank, right? Four guys are in, empty the tank. Here come the next four. No drop off in production. Right. Do they have that right now? Mm, I'm not sure yet. I think there are a few guys. You know, I think they're on their way once you get Mustafer back. And um, Damon you know, Robinson, yeah. the transfer from uh, Maryland. Maryland. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I think you're getting closer to that. Um, I think they are in a good spot with that defensive line. Um, you know, Smith Vilbert certainly has a ton of potential. Um, you know, he's long. He covers ground really well. Um, definitely needs to get a little better in that, in the edge game, in that contain game. You know, even going back to the Arkansas game, you know, he's just, he got lost a few times. But I think, 
you know, he's gotten a lot better since then. Um, but again, you've got, you've got a, a ton of players. I think you just need to find what that rotation is. That'll bring up the best in each one of those guys. You know, dare I say that linebacker, maybe the issue hmm. for Penn Why do you state, say that? you know, defensively, I just think there's, there's, I'm not, I'm not seeing the depth there. Um, that's all. And that look, that's right now. I mean, we, we don't know what's going to happen over the summer or over training camp. Um, you know, if a guy figures it out, if a guy continues to develop, gets better and really fits into that role. I mean, look, obviously Curtis Jacobs, this has the potential to be a breakout year for him. Um, you know, but aside from him, I think it's pretty wide open. Um, I felt better after Saturday, knowing that Sutherland can absolutely do that job. Good. Because I really, I really enjoyed watching him, uh, practice on Saturday you could tell how smart he is. Again, you can tell how he he understands what offense is trying to do. He understands routes. He understands concepts. Um, you know, uh, Manny Diaz talked about him playing that hybrid hybrid role. You know, for them that you're seeing a lot more now in college football. Um, they're asking him to do so much in the run game and the pass game, and that's such a, such a difficult position to be in. Um, but he 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 has no problem sticking his nose in there if it's a if it's a run and trying to make a tackle. He was good in coverage as well, so I felt a lot better after Saturday after watching him play in that role and kind of be put out on that island there, right? Um, and then who's your third linebacker? What do you do, or do you use that strength and that depth of the secondary to play more you know more nickel and more dime packages? Yeah, you saw Kobe King out there frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's still questions there, but it sounds like he's been uh, pushing. Uh, you know, a guy like Tyler Elsden and um, Budden were you know, guys that were talked about to be in that third linebacker spot. Um, Kobe King could be the guy. Uh, don't know if that's necessarily like a, a you know something in concrete necessarily. We could see a lot of fluctuation there, but you saw a lot of Dwyer. Button and Deluca, especially as the game uh, wore on, and you were getting more uh, subs. Um, any inspiration in terms of what you saw from Dwyer, Button, and Deluca? Um, you know, Button. I thought Button looked good, right? Kobe, you know, Kobe King looked good as well. You just, you just don't know right mm-hmm. now. You don't know what they're going to do. You don't know what to expect out of these guys, right? I mean, Button appeared in four games a year ago. Kobe King appeared in four four games a year ago. Um, you know, so these guys have a little bit of experience, but is it enough to where they can step in and make the impact that's expected at that position at Penn State? I just don't know. Um, you know, you know, I think week one against Purdue, I don't think you're going to need it because I could see them at Purdue's going to throw about 50, 60 times. Mm-hmm. Right. So I could see them and playing more of that dime package with more, you know, more safeties, more corners. And so much talk with Manny Diaz of potentially being a three safety look. So yeah. uh, Zaki Wheatley, uh, Jalen Reed, Jair Brown, you could be seeing a lot of them. Um, Kalen King looked like he was stepping in. I don't necessarily know if he's going to be at the exact same level that Tariq mm-hmm. Castro Fields was at uh, as a boundary corner last season. But um, he looked good, at least in this game. You know, you can rely on Porter Jr. and you know, you can rely on Daquan Hardy. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, look, the, the, there's depth there. Um, there's depth at that corner spot. You know, um, I mean, Jair Brown obviously covers ground in a hurry. He's a leader of that defense. So there's definitely talent and depth in the back end. It's just, I, I, I think Jonathan Sutherland might be the most important player 
on that defense. I'm not saying he's the best player on that defense, but he might be the most important player on that defense where, again, if he can continue to develop and feel comfortable in that spot, then Manny Diaz can kind of build that defense around him and it creates a heck of a lot more opportunities for him week in and week out. I think, uh, you know, now we've broken down kind of just about every position from the game. You know, I saw uh, on on ESPN, uh, Mark Schlebaugh gave his way too early top 25 for the 2022 season. So you can take take from that what you will. There's plenty of those out there and they're all you know opinion based. Um, Penn State, in, in his opinion, was was not featured because they were not in his top 25. My gut reaction watching the spring game this looks like a team that's not in the top 25. So I would have to agree with that. Um, is there anything that you saw that would maybe be contrary to what I just said? <laughs> no, no, I just think there's too many questions, right? Mm-hmm. And from what we saw last year, you know, there's no, th- there wasn't anything that you can point to from last year and say, all right, this team belongs in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the way they finished the season against Arkansas, um, you know, especially defensively. Right. I mean, they got they got destroyed versus the run. Arkansas's misdirection just confused them throughout the course of the game. Um, so th- they certainly don't belong in the top 25. They don't have an easy schedule, especially early on. Um, it's going to be tough because there is no we can figure it out early in the year. Right. We know we can get by and beat these teams solely based off talent. You don't have that. Right, Purdue week one, Auburn week three in Auburn. Right, Auburn almost had 200 yards rushing against you last year. Those running backs are back. Mm-hmm. So issues you have now, problems you have now need to be figured out right now. Because Tom, West Lafayette, that that it, that might be the best atmosphere they're, they've had in West Lafayette in, in years. Mm-hmm. Knowing where they're at, coming off a bowl victory, their quarterbacks returning, knowing – you know, years ago, Jeff Brom committed to Purdue a long time to try to turn that program around. You know, knowing Penn State's coming to town and they have a chance to, uh, you know, to pull off an upset and get a big win to start, that place is going to be rocking. So I just hope Penn State has everything figured out by then. You've got a few months to do it. Um, spring's now over. Where have you gotten better? Um, are you ahead anywhere that you thought you may be? Um, and what areas do you need to address? That's what right now is for. Definitely looking forward to August training camp. Uh, a lot of time has to go by, and uh, hopefully, all those guys that have been injured or out of the rotation, uh, you know, get back to being healthy and are able to contribute by the time September rolls around. And all these people are waiting to get to campus. We hope they hit the ground running. Uh, the last thing I want to touch on before we head out here is that you know there was news earlier this week. We're recording this Tuesday. This airs Wednesday, um, so this came out Tuesday morning, uh, and then it looks like uh, Boston College athletic director Pat Kraft is being targeted to take over as the new Penn State Athletic Director with the retirement of Sandy Barber. Um, For a little bit of background on this, I had a chance to text our good friend Mike Porman from statecollege.com. His opinion of uh, Kraft was this. He said, quote, uh, pretty good, young, knows Pennsylvania. He knows hockey, which of course is important to Penn State fans, uh, whether you're tuning into this for football or not. Um, and is certainly a, a selection that when we, you and I had Porman on the show, was talking about that this is a hire made by the new president, Neely. And this is certainly somebody who is Neely's guy. So um, you know, I'm very curious to see if this comes to fruition. A lot of reports out there are saying that this is um, approaching being a done deal. Uh, you know, we'll have to see as things progress. 
Um, obviously, Boston College, uh, not ridiculous success on the football field. So I think if people are looking to draw direct correlations, that's not really it. If you go to Kraft's website uh, or his, uh, his bio, this guy's background is fundraising, renovating, et cetera. That's exactly what Penn State is in the middle of. So mm-hmm. I think there's some encouraging things there. Uh, thank you to everybody for tuning in. As I mentioned, last week's episode was one of our most downloaded episodes ever in the history of this podcast. We so appreciate you guys uh, tuning in each and every week. And we'll see you next week for another edition of Hater. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.